Good evening, 4th District of Cebu. This is School on the Air, bringing to you matters on the social sciences, ranging from history, politics, philosophy, and religion. I'm your host, Marlui Vincent Capulreyes. Maayong gabi, mga higala. Today is July 3, the Feast of St. Thomas the Apostle, the patron saint of architects. So, kaway-kaway dyan, mga architects or architecture students because today is your feast day as well. Um, this program will be discussing about the life of St. Thomas the Apostle and his contributions to our faith. I feel that the one episode of the Bible where Thomas is most famous for, uh, it often overshadows the lesson that Thomas learned in that moment. So we'll talk about that here and how we apply that to our faith. So if you have any questions, you may text atong new text line number 0939-280-5690. Again, 0939-280-5690. Okay, so before we discuss, I'd like to make a sort of announcement. And uh, this is something more personal for me, of course, but uh, it's also relevant for those who are interested in pursuing, for example, their studies in religion or politics or international relations. I believe this source is relevant to you, even ganis atong mga senior high or high school students who want to learn more about the concepts I'm going to bring up. I have published my very first uh, journal article at the Agipo Global South Journal. This is a an academic journal, a peer-reviewed academic journal, uh, managed by the faculty of the University of the Philippines, Cebu. So, uh, our own University of the Philippines na, na, na chapter. So, meaning to say that these are local scholars. Uh, these are people who have studied politics, the social sciences, other relevant courses and fields. And they are contributing to the generation of local knowledge, no? Kay kini mga journal, mga journal articles, mga academic journal, mga megala, maoni ang way wherein ang mga maestro, mga maestra, or basically researchers na makaproduce, makahimo sila og contribution sa academe. So, mag-research sila, they go out on the field, or they study documents pareha sa kong gibuhat. And what they, what, what they do is, when they study them, na sila i-test na theory, na sila i-counter na theory, or even maghimo sila theory, or even, uh, not even just theoretical, kanang na sila discovery, and then they're going to present that there. And I am participating in this process. After about 10 attempts at uh, su- submitting different articles to different journals. I've managed this uh, this uh, little bit of a personal accomplishment or milestone in my life and I'd like to share it because I want people to uh, be engaged in the discourse that hopefully this paper will help uh, provoke Labina de Risa Cebu. The paper is entitled Pope of the Global South Toward a decolonial reading of the Francis Papacy. Sato pa akong paper that I've written for this journal on its maiden uh, volume, in its first volume, it is all about Pope Francis and how he contributes 
to Catholicism decolonizing. Ang contribution sa tong Santo Papa sa pag-decolonize. Pero kanang decolonization o decoloniality, lahi sila na mga, mga butang because uh, one is political, sa ato pa from colony siya, sa Osaka Empire, na nahimo na siya o independent na nation, ang decoloniality structure siya na bisag independent pa na ang former colony na paghihapon na, na structure sa structure of knowledge siya. Which is important sa kinina, uh, kinina na, na conversation sa akong paper, I'll, I'll dedicate an episode to this. I, I hope that I... Uh, I'm able to present the ideas to you so that you can get that get that um uh, get that process especially in public. But yes, um the Pope of the Global South paper that I've made is all about how Pope Francis directly contributes to the decoloniality of the Catholic Church. Na dili na siya limited sa sa colonial legacy that it was part of in its history. So, uh this requires of course an understanding of the concept of decoloniality. So, uh Hopefully, God willing, I will dedicate a month or even two months to having a process of understanding the concepts that this paper will bring. So, I'll introduce, first of all, the concept of decoloniality. What is this about? Why is it important? What are the theoretical frameworks and what are examples of it? No, sa atong basic na experience kay kining de- kanang coloniality ang the thing that decoloniality is trying to stop coloniality mangyud kay naararadyo na siya sa ato ang uh, sa tong palibot you know this well for example ang gitawag og colonial mentality the preference for western or uh, brand sa gawas over sa local na to the point na invisible ang local pareya ni siya sa knowledge contribution for example na mas mas na highlight ang knowledge contribution sa gawas kumpara sa global south ang Pilipinas appeal sa global south on sa maning global south kay maunisi ang place uh, sa mga former colonies sa mga empires sa Spain, British, etc. So, uh, this article along with all the others for the Agipo Global South Journal, uh, they are ab- available for free. Just type in Walay space agipo global south journal.com you will find the fo- first volume and then there you will read from all of these selections one of them is uh, my paper uh, entitled pope of the global south that's page 73 i do hope that this will um provoke discussions kini mga discussions agipo these are mostly the uh, all about the, the, the thrust of decolonizing. It's an analysis of how we do things and then we also look into how we can do better. Okay? Alright, so that was a long segue from our actual topic. So let's talk about St. Thomas the Apostle. Now, uh, we know him as Doubting Thomas, no? That, that's actually because of the episode in the resurrection story that I believe that was a day after that Jesus appeared to his apostles. Or in our in our liturgical you know uh, time that is the second Sunday of Easter, where it would take place. So uh, Jesus came again into the uh, upper room or wherever the apostles were hiding, and this time, unlike the first visit, Thomas was with them. Now before this happened, Thomas visited the hiding ng mga apostles, katanong tago na apostles, and then. Uh, 
when I told him that Jesus rose from the dead, wala sinito. Okay, unless I see all the proof I need, the wounds and all of that, then I will believe. And lo and behold, on that on the day after that or week after, uh, Jesus appeared, and then this surprised Thomas. Jesus knew exactly what Thomas was looking for. It was proof that Jesus was resurrected. We read the story in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. So, so a week after Thomas visited the disciples, uh, they were hiding again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And take note that Jesus didn't open the door. He just appeared before them like a ghost, except he was not a ghost at the same time. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. So, what is the moral of the story? Very simple. Don't doubt the existence of God. That's not actually the lesson here. That's um, if, if, every, if people would say, because there's a doubting Thomas, therefore do not follow doubting Thomas. He's doubting. You should never doubt God. You always have faith in Him, even if you saw Him die on the cross. Now, let's first establish something. The Gospel of John is very different from the Synoptic Gospels. Now, synoptic Gospels are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. These three have a common um, understanding of certain events. John is quite different. It has its own perspective on those events. And one leading idea of that perspective we see in the very first chapter is the simple idea that we we take for granted that Jesus is both truly human and truly divine he has uh, he has this union of natures no he has two natures one will and one person as well now this idea is important that Jesus is divine because of that and I believe, and this is where uh, we look at it this way. Well, the, the language of John is poetic, and it isn't as straightforward as you'd expect. It was clear to the apostles that Jesus was no ordinary person. He was chosen by God. He was the Son of God. By the mere fact that Jesus identifies himself as the Son of God, and the mere fact that he had seven miracles, in the Gospel of John there are seven specific events, miracles, or the seven signs, that pointed to this divine origin. It, it shows that what happened in the crucifixion was something that shattered their worldview. Jesus, their only visible conception of God, died physically on the cross. It it shatters the worldview because to them, he was the king, the one who will bring victory, fulfill all the prophecies. Even though, if we've read scriptures, Jesus' message, message in the Gospels are far Far beyond these limited goals. God doesn't work on, uh, you know, end goals. Like, dapat matuman ni sa unsa expectation No, God's logic is far different from humans. We, are, we, we cannot comprehend that. And that's why the concept of faith is ever present. 
And that's a concept of faith that should be emphasized. Faith, by the way, is not blind obedience or blind belief. That's a mistake to make when discussing this chapter of the resurrection. Because when we say that doubting Thomas believed, it did not mean immediately that the concept of doubt was destroyed because of this very event. Jesus destroyed doubt along with death. Therefore, we should never doubt, never doubt. Except the problem is, as far as I know, I have not met people who didn't go through this stage. When Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe, He didn't say, ah, immediately, because the thing is, when you're trying to teach somebody something, they will ask questions. Now, every question has at least 1% of doubt. And that's healthy. What's not healthy is, for example, this situation. That uh, you are a child, Basin, you're already a child, Garon, or maybe you are an adult. The point is, let's follow the example. Napata ka? Your parents tell you, Anak, you obey everything I say and you follow everything I say. And then, ma emphasize pa ang lesson through physical examples. It can be, for example, if nakasayop ang anak, of course, there's the belt. Or, you know, kanang, let, let him, like, uh, I, I will not, um, basta kaibaw na mo. Now, there are physical ways to emphasize those lessons. So, uh, there are parents who are, I, I don't want to always call those types bad, but at the same time, who need restraint, like, like to the point that they'll actually, like, harm the child, they're slap and all of that. Like, there are times where that's needed. But, kanang, when in anger, but anyway, like, that, that happens. And then the child just grows up obeying everything his parents says. Knock, buy me cigarettes. Knock, buy me drugs. Steal from houses. Blind obedience and blind belief are not the Christian faith. That's not the lesson of doubting Thomas. And why is that? Because, and you will not believe me when I say this, doubt is the foundation of belief. If anything, I believe that's at least in part, slightly in part, one lesson you can derive from Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is not defined solely by his doubt, huh? but that's an important character trait. It doesn't diminish his sainthood. It doesn't diminish his importance. In fact, it emphasizes how important he is to the faith. So, uh, when I encountered this story, I really reflected on how this doubt was the means for the encounter. If Thomas was there, and oh, then he wouldn't be transformed. Just my take, lang. I don't think, I don't think there, there. I don't think there's a coincidence that this happened. I do think that the author of the Gospel of John wanted to show that this doubt is a natural process. That not only is it a natural process, that there is something we can get out of it. Of course, there are people who would believe, you know, as soon as possible. But I don't think we. I don't think it's immediately, no? Okay, you cannot just you just cannot you cannot just make something happen out of thin air. It, it's not it's not possible na na, na program da ano, okay. Lo, I believe God exists, no. You have to have gone through a process. In fact, at the end of the the chapter where this reading uh, was, uh, it 
the, the author puts the purpose of this gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. What I'm saying here is that there is intent in showing this story. And its intent is not to demonize Thomas or doubting. Here's something for you. The scriptures emphasize the the name of Thomas. It, it, it means twin, by the way, Didymus. So Thomas had a twin brother. And yet this Thomas is the most recognizable because he's a member of the 12 apostles. And also note that his, uh, his moniker, Doubting Thomas, doesn't exactly mean that way if we tr- take it in its actual Greek, in its original Greek. Because in the original Greek, uh, his name, Doubter or Doubting, it means inquirer, a person who asks questions. We have this toxic assumption, but now doubt equals bad faith. Okay, that's very important, huh? Why? Remember this. Uh, most people's conception of doubt, like when people are taught ba na, don't doubt the word of God. Don't, don't doubt your religion or else you'll go to hell. You know, what, what some people say ba, which I think is toxic, by the way. Uh, that doubt, actually what they mean is a real thing. It's called a bad faith. The problem is that's not exactly the natural doubt we have. Natural doubt is this suspension of belief. What is a suspension of belief? It is that you, you have this belief in your head, right? You're taught by your parents this belief. And then you encounter something that seems to contradict that belief or you're not sure on site. What you do is you suspend it. You, you put it on a different table because you want to understand what's happening in front of you. Ang itawag ano na belief is preconceptions. Ang imong gibuhat is you are removing the preconception that your parents have taught you. That is why in philosophy, there is what is called phenomenology. Its purpose is to uh, to let you see or experience things as they are, including your own being. And the process of this suspension is called the bracketing. And also, something that I've dug up as well is that there are different interpretations of the, the gospel account uh, because of their aims. Some aim to show the gospel account as proof that faith is superior, which, by the way, uh, is a theological debate on its own outside of this gospel account. It's one of the biggest theological debates because it's the reason for the Protestant Reformation. No, it's something that we've discussed before that we can discuss in the future. No, para you know, for comprehension for everyone. But either way, uh, in the Catholic uh, interpretation, arguably the mainstream interpretation, uh, there. Like it's easy to say that Thomas actually touched his body, Jesus's body. So physical evidence is important. This is like this is what people use to explain why there are physical apparitions, physical evidence of spiritual realities. But at the same time, it's also understandable why Protestants, for example, would go to sola fide, and it is that reason is quite limited in comprehending the faith. But the thing is. What is missed in these discourses is that doubt is the starting point of faith. You, 
uh, you need encounters. Those encounters are not controlled. It's like an experiment in science. You don't... You, yes, you do have a control variable. The control variable in this case is your faith. You have, the, you have this assumption, and then you're trying to test this assumption through a thought experiment or through a previous experience. And that previous experience says that correct imuhang belief. But then you have this different situation that seems to contradict your belief. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to always f- find situations that will keep contradicting your belief. The point is experience makes you grow and know more about different situations and how to respond to them. Nothing is like absolutely black and white when you see it. So, the the concept of doubt here is not so much, oh, Thomas is a bad boy. He has bad faith. That's not it. He doesn't have bad faith. That's the problem here. Because our our main assumption of doubt is bad faith. And we have to destroy that immediately. So when you read the scriptures, dili mean person si Thomas. I've seen reality. He's not arrogant. He's not an intellectual uh like ivory tower type of person who says i've been more educated i believe stuff that actually happens in reality so, so show me evidence of that happening we are too used to the assumption that doubters are bad people because they're mean and they're trying to look down on your belief because we have an environment right now you know pluralistic environment where we have people who do not believe in god and uh there's a tendency to be antagonistic to each other there are atheists who want to prove that god doesn't exist so, so that they can inflate their ego or at least to try to provoke a meaningful discussion there are many different reasons and the reverse happens. People want to prove that God exists so that they can prove their own intellectual superiority or also to convince people about the meaningful discourses of religion. But the thing is that if we continue to limit our interactions with people based on our pride, we will never really know people. problem. Existentialists nail this in the head, like Gabriel Marcel, for example, that those who are prideful... Uh, they're basically ignorant of their own weaknesses and that they are thus unable to encounter the other. When you're prideful, when you're arrogant, you think you can do everything yourself. Yes, you should have your own personal responsibility that dili ka dapat na codependent ka mong mga ginikanan or your friends or even sa mga people who agree with your opinions. It's just that you cannot use this as an excuse to isolate. Ang problema mang yun is, ang tao mang yun, sobra ra ka extreme sa one end or the other. You need to find that golden mean. You need to live. To live is to reach the constant balancing act. You have to keep acting, keep encountering. And in these encounters, you will not always get your way. Not everything will be black and white. So, it, it is the same with the concept of faith here. Because we're too used to the idea that doubt is this black... And faith is white. That's not true. Faith is, if anything, a gray area. It is you believing in something that doesn't require evidence. It's you in a relationship. Faith is a relationship. That's what Gabriel Marcel believes, for example. It is you giving credit to the other without defining that other thing by your limited expectations. And usually, our limited expectations are based on either the people we admire but never fully interact with because lagi nata expectations nila or our own self-descriptions 
na oh you know for example it's either uh, I, I'm a good person I'm awesome I, if this person doesn't follow my opinions I'll be disappointed or I'm such a bad person no I, I don't think this person is worth interacting you know and if he's going to be a good person apekerana these are two negatives and the reason is that they self isolate they're created to keep you away from interactions that's the same with how people conceptualize doubt no they treat doubt as the same as bad faith and as a result people think that thomas does not want proof and all of that when in fact he was actually asking for proof unless i see dili siya ang tono mangyud ni thomas mangyud dili siya like ah di ko ganahan na ma-prove ni siya it's like no I I know that we have seen a lot of miraculous stuff but I really want to understand. Lahisik experience. Valid gihapon siya. So you cannot just say doubting Thomas is the bad guy of the story. He never was. In fact, he's probably one of the best characters of the Gospel of John. He brings a very important point about faith. To start faith, you begin asking questions. And Thomas asked a question before Jesus appeared. And it wasn't in a question format na can you, how, or unsa. It was unless, conditions, no? Unless I see he, the proof before me, I will not believe, no? And the thing is that some also have this argument. Again, bad faith gihapon ang doubt. So, Sato pa Thomas is setting conditions for his faith. God, I need proof every day. And and that and then that this account now seems to uh, seems to validate Jesus's point that um, the only miracle shown to this generation is the resurrection. But you know what's so beautiful about that line about the whole um, the only miracle that Jesus will show is the miracle of Jonah and the whale. And it is that this is exactly what Thomas was seeing right now. Thomas witnessed the resurrection. That's the miracle Jesus will only give to this generation. That was it. And by extension, the miracles when he was still alive are are tastes, are foreshadowings of that. The thing was, um, at least if our framework of understanding the miracles of Jesus is through this line from the Synoptic Gospels, that the only miracle that they will see is that of Jonah, uh, at least to the righteous people, uh, the self-righteous people rather, uh, if we use the, mir- the the Jonah framework, no, as our reference for how G- the, the the miracles of Jesus work, then it means that Jesus wasn't uh, being a social service worker, twenty four seven healing people, and then It's different. It doesn't mean, of course, that he doesn't want to help people. It means, however that he wants to give them a taste of the resurrection. And what better way to further solidify this than showing Thomas that he was indeed alive, that the master that he saw dead was alive again. And it shatters bad faith. Maunisia, doubt, bad faith, good faith, okay? Doubt is the beginning of inquiry. But the longer you stay in doubt, the more you entertain your uncertainties, your anxieties, and doubts. Doubt na bad faith. That's what will happen. Ma transform mong doubt into bad faith. The thing with faith is that it's a tricky dance. If if you don't know your partner that well, you will eventually develop bad faith perceptions of them. That okay. I lost my master. 
and I feel disappointed in myself, and then slowly it transforms into this, oh, Jesus was not that special. Ma-downplay na niya ang importance sa katuna nindot na memories yang kinabuhi. The more that you stay with yourself, manisya, doubt plus pride equals bad faith. Thomas did not have pride. In fact, he was mourning gihapon for Jesus, and he was scared for his family. Now they will be caught by the Jewish authorities at that time. He had reasons to doubt. He didn't want to destroy his last embers of faith. He didn't want to destroy it if he would be proven wrong. He needed proof in order to keep going. Jesus didn't say, na, Oh, batik ka. You didn't believe in me. That's not it. He loves Thomas. That was an act of love that he showed. This was a miracle. Miracles aren't there so that you can show off to people. That's not the point of miracles. They're not there for showing off. And if people use flying santoninos and levitating as miracles just for the sake, kung imong intention ba is, ah, sakto ko, na ginoo. That, that's not how it works. You're not building faith. You're building bad faith. You're building a toxic form of faith that you insist that your pride is correct, everyone else is wrong. And that's not the discourse that Jesus provides here. So, when we remember the story of doubting Thomas, we remember that he is inquiring Thomas. Doubt is not bad faith. Doubt is the starting point of faith. So, I do hope that, just the same, we believers... Keep asking questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions. That's the, that's the lesson here that we have. So, kung na may mga pangutana or mga suggestions, you know, if you have any other lessons you want to share, 0939-280-5690. Again, 0939-280-5690. So this has been Marlui Vincent Reyes signing out. Keep learning, keep asking questions, and believe, and find the fun along the way. You've just heard another edition of The School on the Air over 91.7 News and Music FM. Thank you and enjoy your Sunday.